Want to go see your favorite college or pro team? Go to TickSplits. TickSplits provides you with the same great seats, but without the service fees. Use promo code WAR and save 5% off on all purchases at TickSplits.com or on the TickSplits app. That's promo code WAR, W-A-R-R, for 5% off on great seats to all of your favorite events. Remember, TickSplits provides you with the same great seats, but without the service fees. That's TickSplits, T-I-X-V-L-I-T-Z.com. Visit today. Welcome to another fun-filled Friday edition of Second City Sports Real Live and in Living Color right here on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Miss Lakina McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina Score McGee on the IG. Make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app today. You want to know why? That's why. Sorry, sorry about that. Download, yeah, sorry yes. about the technical difficulties, folks. Uh, make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app today. You want to know why? Because we said so. That's why. And also, too, you can catch any of our five live shows throughout the week. You can. Download them and listen to them back at your own leisure if you haven't missed any of our other live shows throughout the week. So make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app today. Also, you can follow uh, Sports Zone Chicago on all social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Sports Zone Chicago. Once again, find Sports, Sports Zone Chicago on all social media platforms at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. If you want to catch the audio version of this podcast, Second City Sports, you can do so by subscribing to War on Anchor. And make, make sure you uh, download the iHeartRadio app as well because we are available on there as well. We are available on all podcast platforms as well. Just type this in your search engine boxes. W-A-R-R on Anchor. And you can follow War Media at W-A-R-R Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, at War Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. And sorry for the technical difficulties because we're we're kind of you know you know changing some stuff. So <laughs> sorry about that. But go ahead, Sid. Yeah, uh, Lakina's a perfect technician around here. <laughs> we're unapologetically right. fun, <laughs> and we have very different opinions. You have any opinions doing our topics? Uh, doing our two-hour extravaganza we call the Sports Talk Radio Show. You can do so by by going to Sports Zone Chicago's Facebook page or Sports Zone Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. But if you decide to troll and or do something stupid or just interfere, just being plain, as you young folks would say, ignorant, I'm giving Lakina football to give you fools the full barrel and beer boot. Bye-bye. I love when she says that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, in, let's jump right into it on the Friday edition of Second City Sports. A whole lot of White Sox fans, as we talk Chicago baseball, a whole lot of White Sox fans wanted to give Tony La Russa the boot. At the, yesterday's 11-9 loss to the Los Angeles Dodgers, losing two out of three uh, to the uh, 
the, the men in blue from the West Coast. They had a chance to take two out of three uh, with the four nothing lead midway through the fifth inning. Dylan Seas was pitching great, and then that fifth inning hit Tony Larusa on the one two count to Trey Turner decides to walk him. And then Max Muncy made them pay with a three-run shot to give the Dodgers a lead, in which essentially held up for the Dodgers to steal a game from the South Siders yesterday. Lakina, controversy all over the place about Tony La Russa. First, it was the Los Angeles Dodgers television crew with Joe Davis and Eric Carroll's uh, questioning mm -hmm. Tony La Russa's move not only yesterday, yesterday, but what happened on Wednesday putting Larry, not Larry Garcia, at the leadoff position. And Larry Garcia striking out in the eighth inning. Eric Carroll's rightfully so criticized Garcia with his approach to the plate and not really giving his all, just paraphrasing there. And, of course, yesterday they questioned the move about uh, Dylan C. staying in the game when he already had a, a, through over 100 pitches. I know Steve Stone and Jason Benetti had something to say about the attention of Walter to Trey Turner on the NBC Sports Chicago broadcast yesterday. Mm -hmm. I know the White Sox had a charity event, so not as much media uh, availability to the players after the game outside of Tony LaRusso's usual postgame presser. But many White Sox fans expect and hope that LaRusso uh, will be given the boot very soon. I don't see that happening today, Lakina. As we said before, last year uh, they were the Hunters. This year they are the Hunted. They are three games below the 500 mark at 26 and 29. The Texas Rangers are four games under coming into the Southside tonight for a three-game weekend series. Lakina, it is imperative that the White Sox must take two out of three and perhaps sweep this series to get things back on track or things will really get ugly in a hurry. As we warned you guys for the last couple of weeks, you cannot use that excuse that it's early anymore. We are into the first week of June already. Yeah, they really can. And like I said before, I mean, you can't win the lose the division, but you can't uh, mm -hmm. you can't win it, but you can lose it. And unfortunately for the Sox, look, the Sox had their chances last night, and it's sort of one of those things where you're just you, you really you know that you know Jake Berger did what he could to try to keep the Sox in it. You know they were actually on their way to try and perhaps maybe come back and win the uh, win the game and win the series against the Dodgers, but they couldn't take advantage of any of the. Uh, and you know, sort of you know, the runners on, run on scoring position and such, and the questionable decision by Tony La Russa, which went viral apparently. And it, it's just like it's unfortunate that you know this Sox team. You can't really blame it on injuries anymore. You can't really do that. So you you have to just you know you know it, it's just sort of disappointing that they had so many chances the Sox did, and now mm -hmm. you know they're where they are right now. And yeah, you can say. Look, okay, yeah, the, the Guardians, you know, went down, you know, a couple of notches last, uh, the last, you know, this past week, you know, the Twins have been up and down this week, but you can't really, it, I know that there are a lot of Sox, you know, fans on Twitter. I know they're, um, our but, uh, you know, we, a couple of our buddies who are Sox fans, they were, you know, being very, you know, uh, I guess I can really, well, with uh, Tony LaRusso, but you can blame the injuries, mm -hmm. you can, but you can only do it to, to a certain point. I mean, lack of production. The pitch has been, you know, sort of up and down. Dylan Cease, you know, was good for a little bit, but then that fifth inning and the, everything kind of, you know, the wheels started falling off. So it's just been mm -hmm. horrible what happened with the White Sox. And, you know, you get the you get the Rangers, the Rangers got some decent, you know, young players, but you know, I, I know that there are a lot of Sox fans that want Tony LaRusso's head. I don't that's not gonna happen. I think people just should just get used to that. But it's just mm -mm. you know, you really don't know what can you say at this point. 
Here's the thing, Lakina. The White Sox, like we talked about all year long, they've been saved by their starting pitching. Their bullpen until yesterday has been their saving grace uh, throughout these past couple of weeks. I was there at the game on Tuesday. Michael po- po- Michael Kopech, excuse me, uh, a pitch great. Six shutout innings with eight strikeouts, get up up only one hit. And, of course, Jake Berger, who's been swinging a hot stick these last few weeks, he's the only reason why the Sox are are respectable, even though they're three games out of 500. He's been swinging a hot stick. Jose Abreu. He uh, darn near missed a home run yesterday uh, in, in the late stages of the game, but he's been swinging a hot stick. Also, to Andrew Vaughn, uh, who they drafted three years ago, he start, finally started to come around as a hitter. He's been hot too. So, if you're Tony Lewister, you got to find a way to keep those three guys in the lineup every day. I like Gavin Sheets personally. I thought he was the uh, the left-handed bat that the Sox need, but keep his, you know what, out of right field. Is your DH in your occasional first baseman once or twice a week? I do not need him in right field anymore. No, no, it really, no, no, you, you can't. And it, it's, I don't know. And then Josh Harrison, he was actually pretty good, but then he showed some other, you know, you kind of show why that that wasn't a thing. So yeah, it's, it's sort of mm-hmm. one of those things where it's gotten to the point where it, it's just, I, I don't know. I think what, what more can you say? I know we want to try to get into it as much as we can with the socks, but it, it's, it's, I don't know. You, can you really say anything at this point? Can the Sox write the ship? I mean, you're in June now, so you really can't mm-hmm. play that card anymore. So I honestly don't know what, what to say at this point with the Sox. Uh, speaking of Josh Harrison, Lakina, he struck out yesterday with the bases loaded. He did the same thing on Tuesday night against the Dodgers as well. He's been a major disappointment. Also, too, uh, with Lance Lynn hopefully coming back at the end of the month is with the same as Eloy Jimenez. He had a slight setback in his re- rehab stint down in Charlotte as well. When those two come back, uh, there will be moves that will have to be made. Do you DFA Josh Harrison? That's designated for a sign for those of you that are scoring at home. They already done that to Dallas Keiko last week. I know he got picked up by the Arizona Diamondbacks, but do this do the same thing to Josh Donaldson. Uh, do you send down Danny Medet, who, by the way, he's been having clutch hits these last couple of weeks. Tim Bannister, hopefully, will be back by the end of the month as well. So there's going to be moves that have to be made by this White Sox team. Is Josh Harrison on his last legs as a member of the White Sox? Will somebody else get cut that we don't see coming? We just don't know. But right now, it's not looking good. But uh, they can right the ship this weekend against the Texas Rangers. You have them for three straight games uh, on the on the south side at home this weekend. So you are the better team. You have the better depth. You should be able to win this series. I'm putting the pressure on them to sweep it. And then there's no reason why they shouldn't sweep. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the, the Rangers are okay, but they're not great. And it's sort mm-hmm. of one of those things where you sort of, you know, say to yourself, uh, you know what? I don't know. I mean, there's just like so much stuff going on with the, the White Sox at this point. And, you know, it's hard to kind of pinpoint the one person. You can't really blame it on every, you know, on one thing or you can't blame it all on La Russa. You can't blame it all on, you know, everything else. But, yeah, it is, it's definitely going to be very interesting to see what happens because if it does, you know, come out that, you know, maybe it gets – hopefully maybe they can, you know, this weekend they can kind of get back and we're kind of right the mm-hmm. ship. But even at this point, that'd be a bit of a, a deterrent at this point. You're listening to Second City Sports, the Friday edition. We're live in Living Color right here on Sports Zone Chicago. See Lakina here with you talking Chicago baseball with the White Sox. So let's uh, quickly uh, give a mention to the Chicago Cubs. Lakina, their third game against the Baltimore Orioles was rained out on Wednesday. They'll be made up in August. 
but the two games they did play against the Baltimore, they got swept. But Christopher Morel continues to impress. Lakina Wilson Contreras continues to add to perhaps his trade value. He had another home run in that series against Baltimore. As we told you guys, Baltimore, uh, they not, they're not a good team, but that's not as bad as they were a year ago. So it, it's not an uh, easy uh, a game on the schedule anymore. They still have some young guys, like Cedric Mullins, uh, Trey Mancini, and those guys stepped up uh, to to complete that quick two game series over the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, and. Unfortunately for the Cubs, I mean, you know, the, the, the you know, sort of like the, the discrepancies is showing again, and mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate. And you know, it, it's definitely, I, I don't know what can you say at this point with the Cubs. You know, they got some you know, great young talent, the talent, some talent, but they're just not there yet. And unfortunately, you know, especially with the series against Baltimore, like I said, Baltimore is no longer that easy win anymore. So it's it, it's just I don't know. There's really I don't really know if you can really think much about the Cubs at this point. The Cubs is one, are one of those teams where you just, you're just just hoping to kind of, you know, they can kind of get back, you know, sort of be respectable. Now they got to play the Yankees, a hot Yankee squad at that. Mm-hmm. And it is just mm, – there's really nothing you can say at this point if you're, if you're the Cubs. So let, let's go – let's get to what, you know, is going on in all of baseball. What caught your eye this week? Oh, the Anaheim Angels, they fired Joe Madden the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said he was responsible for all their struggles. As we always say in the professional sports business, you cannot fire the players. You cannot fire everybody. But last night, Shohei Otani homered in the game that he also uh, started pitched in. Uh, mm-hmm. The Angels ended that 14-game losing streak. Now, will this uh, signal for them to have a comeback of a season regain their early season focus. That's a long ways away, but they uh, were on their way last night. They ended their 14 game Wednesday by finally being the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. I think that should help them a little bit with their, with their confidence there. And again, again, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, Madden wasn't the issue, but that's just my opinion, but mm-hmm. it, it's definitely kind of one of those things where you're sort of like, okay, so you have nobody, no, no excuse now. So I don't know what can be done to sort of, you know, get that sense going, but we'll see what happens with the angels, but look at the Phillies. I mean, look at what the Phillies. Are, yeah. That's right. The Brewers. <laughs> yeah, I, I know it, it's sort of weird. And they're now undefeated since Red Thompson uh, took over. Who's the first base coach took over as manager. He's the first, you know, manager to win six, you know, his first six games this week. We allude did it back in 03 with the Giants. So, you know, they're suddenly they're hitting. So they're pitching really well. And, it's still you know, they've won seven in a row now, which I, I mean, I know Joe Girardi, you know, he got fired. I know people were kind of questioning that. So mm-hmm. I like, oh wow, but look at the Phillies. I mean, look, Bryce Harper's back, he's being you know productive. And I don't know, like I said, I don't know, can they make a move to, you know, to try to catch the match? Well, the problem is now that the Braves have also won eight in a row, so mm-hmm. uh, so that that they're everyone's getting hot down in the ALEs, even the Marlins have won three in a row, so. It's you know that that I don't know if anybody can you know get close to um to you know to the Mets in that division, but again we'll have to wait and see. Also, too speaking of the uh, New York teams, uh, the Mets had a successful road trip through San Diego in Los. You know they played against Los Angeles. Uh, with the Dodgers last weekend, they went through San Diego with no problem <laughs> as they continue on their West Coast road trip. And their brethren team, the New York Yankees, as we mentioned earlier, they took two out of three in Minnesota. Garrett Cole didn't have his best stuff last night, giving up five home runs, but the offense backed him up big time, uh, beating the Twins in the third game of the uh, series finale last night. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely something that was definitely needed. And 
And look, I think the Yankees, I know they've kind of been, you know, they didn't have a, a, their best week, but, you know, they, they did what they could. And, you know, look, they were able to save that series against Minnesota. That was sort of a really, like, interesting uh, game, you know, 10-7 in the final there. So it, it was, you know, again, it was kind of one of those crazy games in the season. But, you know, look, it, it, it's, it's pretty cool what, what's what's going on there up at the Yankees. Look, like, you're going to have a bad week. So it happens. Um, Marcus Simeon became uh, the first player to have seven hits and three home runs in a single day, um, says Joel Morgan. You got to go all the way back to 1973. It, it's I, I, I feel like it's sort of one of those rarities. Like, you know, it's been almost 40 years, I mean, almost 50 years, I should say, since someone has done that. So the fact yeah. that he was able to do it, you know, seven hits and three, including three home runs, three home runs. I mean, you know, it's rare that, a, a, you know, someone does that in one in one in one game, but you know, seven hits and it's sort of you know he's been one of, like I said you know he'll um, and the they'll see him this weekend the White Sox will so he's they're gonna have that's gonna be somebody they're gonna have to contend with he's a ton of shortstop for the Rangers so the Sox are gonna be seeing him a lot this week so you know good luck to them but uh, yeah that's a pretty cool accomplishment what he did there yeah also too sticking with the AL East the Tampa Bay Rays swept the St. Louis Cardinals in an th- important three-game series there uh, there at a Tropicana Field that dump. And also, too, the Toronto Blue Jays, they take two out of three in Kansas City to get back on track against the Royals. Yeah, that was something that, that was definitely needed there as well. So it, it, it's very interesting that the way they, you know, this was set up. So it's, hmm. That, that that's actually was a pretty interesting. It was pretty interesting week week in baseball. I mean, you know, strange mm-hmm. happenings. You know, re- record setting and such. You know, the A's was have lost nine in a row now. So you know, it's just crazy how this is. So. What else is new, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's nothing new, right? Yeah, and also too, the San Francisco Giants. They're trying to get back on track. I know they lost yesterday uh, to the Colorado Rockies. The Rockies actually take two out of three in that series uh, by the Bay. I'm not going to sit here and say Colorado's back, but uh, the Giants, as we told you guys before the season started, they're not going to have the same year as they did last year, winning over 110 games. Uh, it's going to be a battle between them, San Diego, and the Dodgers in the NL West. Yeah. And it's so, going to be a struggle for them just to grab a wild card spot. Yeah, I think you got so you know, so many talented teams at this point. So I, I'm, I'm very interested to see what, what happens there because I think, look, it's going to come down to probably the last couple of weeks of the season. Who can avoid injuries? Who can avoid, you know, can, who could be productive? So, yeah, they're definitely mm-hmm. to the point where, especially this season, especially we're all coming into mid-June now, it's, it's look, it's going to be very interesting to see what what happens with some of these teams, especially with the trade deadline, you know, coming up in the few, like a couple of months. So, this is going to be where everybody we're going to see you know what kind of moves are going to be made. Yeah, like like we said before, the last couple of weeks we started to see so many teams separate themselves from other teams, and we'll see what happens as the month of June rolls along. Now, before we head to the bottom of the hour break, and we'll be joined by our good friend Christine Manica for KXRB. We'll give you the rundown as far as the schedule for the, this upcoming weekend series uh, from around the Diamond and Banjo League Baseball. Of course, you have the White Sox hosting the Rangers. It starts tonight. The Arizona Diamondbacks are traveling to Philadelphia to take on the Phillies. Of course, the Cubs and the Yankees from Yankee Stadium. Remember, tomorrow's game on Fox at 6.15 p.m. will feature the Cubs and the Yankees. Most of the nation will get to see that game. And, of course, the rest of the country will have the San Francisco Giants and the Los Angeles Dodgers with a big weekend series in the NOS for both teams. Of course, the Brewers will travel to our nation's capital to face the Washington Nationals. Uh, the Blue Jays will continue their East Coast road trip. Uh, they'll go to the Detroit Tigers. We'll have Oakland at Cleveland. Speaking of that that series, the sun that'll be the Sunday game on MLB leadoff 
on Peacock, Oakland at Cleveland. Whoever watches that one, good luck to you on that. <laughs> we have Pittsburgh at Atlanta starting tonight. Baltimore at Kansas City. Florida at Houston. The Astros, we forgot to mention them, Lakina. They lost two out of three to Seattle this to week. Seattle, so Seattle's yeah. kind of uh, trying to get back on track your team. Uh, speaking of the, if you're a White Sox fan, a big three-game series for the Minnesota Twins. They'll host the Tampa Bay Rays that starts tonight. Cincinnati at St. Louis. The New York Mets at the Los Angeles Angels. Let's see the Angels will start a win, winning streak there. Colorado at San Diego. And Boston Red Sox at the Seattle Manor. So that's the series going on for this weekend. And I know, Lakina, before you beat me up, the Apple TV Friday night doubleheader, the games for tonight at 7 o'clock, Tampa Bay at Minnesota at 8.38 Chicago time, the New York Mets at the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Also, you got the 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 Los Angeles Dodgers against San Francisco. That's going to be the ESPN Plus game at 9.15. Mm-hmm. And the Fox double Fox uh, regional action, you got the Cubs and the Yankees, as well as the Dodgers and the Giants. That's the Fox uh, game of the week. FS1 will have Oakland and Cleveland. So uh, good luck to you guys who will be watching that. And Oakland and Cleveland will get the Peacock treatment as well. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, again, you're going to be seeing a lot of them this weekend, folks. And also, two <laughs> real... Real quick, okay. Real quick, yeah. Boston, Seattle's gonna be the ESPN Plus mm-hmm. game after Sunday afternoon, and you got the Mets and the Angels six o'clock early start time for those of you out there in Los Angeles for ESPN. That's a Sunday night baseball treatment. We have to break, but when we return, she's joining us early, but we have to have her on the program. It's your girl, Christine, the Queen Manica for KXRB. She'll hop on with us to give her her latest in sports commentary, entertainment, and more. We'll have more on the flip side as you're listening to the Friday edition of Second City Sports. We're live in the living color. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. You're listening to Sports Zone Chicago. At a time when the news seems as subjective as the partisan politics dividing this country, independent professional journalism has become the resource people need to get the honest and accurate information for their lives. That's why I created jkreports.com. As a born and raised Chicago, I know this city better than anyone. So my investigative stories are all original, and they'll go deeper to expose the truth by using information obtained from public information databases 
and in-depth interviews with the leaders and shapers. My future stories will introduce you to people and businesses who are changing the world, not just Chicago. My missing person stories will spotlight those who you don't hear about in the mainstream media who are often overlooked. If you want to hear my personal views on things around the world, check out my blog site, which is based off of factual information on my life experiences. There's also past episodes of my weekly sports podcast show, What's Up Cuz, that I host with my real-life cousin, Lance Irvin. So if you're looking for all this information and more, check out jcoinreports.com and follow me on Twitter at jcoin. And welcome back to Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Sydney Brown. I'm Lakina McGee. Again, sorry for technical difficulties, folks, because uh, we're just, you know, we're learning about all this stuff as we go. It's just, a, you know, some changes are happening, so it's a little bit crazy. But no worries, though. We're going to catch up with our girl kegs, RB's Christine Manica. Christine, how are you? How have you been? We haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. What is up? Yay. Yay. What is up with you guys? I'm doing pretty well. I'm feeling a lot better than what I was a couple of weeks ago. That's for sure. Oh, we're doing fine. Just fine. Just fine. How did the surgery go? It was a success, as as successful good. as it can go anyway. <laughs> good, All right. good. I know we. I know you shared some photos on your uh, yeah. on your feed. So uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know you're a little sore, but I know you're. It's good to know you're feeling a lot better. So that that's that's always good to hear. Yes, yeah, sleeping uh, is easier. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> so what do you think about the White Sox? I mean. Uh, all the weird stuff that's been happening. Uh, Tony LaRusso, everybody's you know, looking, you know, asking for his head at this point. So what, what, what do you think? You know, I think White Sox fans tend to forget that being in a slump for this team is nothing new. I think because of how high the expectations exceeded last season, they expect a lot more coming into this season. But even back then when they were doing really well last year, they still had a little bit of a downturn. So is it totally surprising to me that they're kind of experiencing, you know, this downward spiral? No, but does a lot of the the outcomes of the games have something to do with Tony La Russa? Absolutely. I don't think you necessarily should have his head. I just think he's made bad decisions as, as far as coaching goes. Yeah, speaking of Tony LaRusso, what did you think about his decision yesterday to walk trade Turner after a one and two count? Of course, Max Muncy made made the White Sox pay yesterday, and he had a few choice words to say about Mr. LaRusso as he crossed home plate mm -hmm. yesterday. Gosh, I, I think I got more comic relief out of his press conference afterwards answering that question. He's like, this is why baseball exists. It's because mm -hmm. you can have those controversial moment, moments. You can have those debates. But at the same time, he hinted, but that's why I'm in this position and you're not because I know what I'm doing. So he's downplaying basically what his decision was. When he laid it out for everyone and his reasoning didn't make sense, yeah, but should he have had a little bit more confidence in his team? Absolutely. I think that's what it comes down to, too. Absolutely. And uh, 
do you think Canada sucks right this ship at this point? I think we're starting to see that, you know, we're almost in mid-June. I mean, this is sort of the time when they, you know, the Sox need to start heating up. I mean, not only do you have to worry about the Twins, but now the Guardians have been playing very well. So can they get back on track, the Sox? Eventually, I think that they can get back on track. And I think it's it's good to point out, too, this team, in the midst of their success last season, they were still going through COVID difficulties. You know, this player had COVID. The baseball season didn't really start necessarily on time during the time that they were having their really good run in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, then the lockout was going on. So this team in the last couple of years alone has had a lot of adversity and they've somehow managed to overcome it all. Um, I don't think that's any different with this team, considering that it's still pretty similar to what it was um, a few years ago. Uh, speaking of a few players that have been swinging hot sticks the last couple of weeks with White Sox, what do you think about Jake Berger? His star is really on the rise. Oh, he's hilarious. They're, they're already Twitter is winning at this game with Jack Berger. I think he's the uh, Jake Berger. I think he's the next um, rising star for the White Sox. You know, we were talking about last year how it was Gavin Sheets, and Gavin Sheets is still doing really well for the for the team. But I think now uh, Berger's gotten people excited about the team again, especially when you've had un, un, uh, unprecedented suspensions with uh, players like Tim Anderson having to sit out a little bit, um, again, with some injuries and then COVID in some cases as well. So he's, I think he's a good new energy for the team. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Hopefully he can keep it up because he's kind of the reason – or maybe not the main reason, but one of the reasons why the Sox are still afloat. And I, I feel like this is a point where I'll contend with some Sox fans. What about Josh Harrison? I know Sid and I talked about this uh, last week and even on Monday. Uh, he was actually pretty productive in that series against um, the Dodgers. But can we? Should we? Should the Sox DFA him like they did with Keuchel? Or do you think he can still sort of make a you know have a fit in this team? I think he definitely has a fit in his team. And, you know, it's like what you were saying. He's kind of been holding the team together a little bit. And that's the question on everyone's mind, whether they, whether he can keep that momentum going and to keep holding this team together. Again, I, I think with those new players, they're still trying to figure out that chemistry. They're still trying to figure out LaRusse's mind, so to speak, and what his ways of thinking are. So I, I believe that he could also be a key player down the road for the team. And going back to LaRusso, Christine, in your mind, I know part of it has been due to injuries, but does it get on your nerves that he he has a different lineup for every day? Of course, the Dodgers TV broadcast criticized him for putting Leary Garcia in the leadoff spot on Wednesday. And you have certain guys like, like you mentioned, Gavin Sheets, who's really struggled as of late, and he struck out to end the game yesterday. Uh, as I said, uh, he belongs as a DH in the occasional first baseman, but, but don't put him in right field anymore. Adam Engel, uh, that position is for his to stay. A.J. Pollock has been swinging a hot stick as well. He had a big RBI yesterday. But does it bother you, bother you barring injuries, that La Russa continues to send out an inconsistent lineup every day? Uh, every day is not a Sunday lineup. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's not. You know, I'm actually pulling up um, a message that my that my grandfather sent me not too long ago. It's Tony La Russa's record when he was the manager in 83. Mm. First 20 games, 8 and 12. First 25 games, 12 and 13. First 50 games, 12 and 27. Final record, 99 and 63. Final standing, they were in first place last year. And what's happened so far since then? 2022 now. 
it's the exact same record pretty much. We don't know what the final standing is yet, but at that point, um, a couple of days ago on Wednesday, actually, he had the exact same record that what he did in 83. So I don't know if he's using tactics from the 80s or if he's still in that old mindset of this is how it was done back then when I was playing baseball. So I'm going to bring the game back to where it was then. Um, it is frustrating. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't help the players with the inconsistency either of thinking, am I going to play today? Am I not going to play today? Should I be ready for some action or should I just be ready to get some action on the bench? You know, so it just kind of, it, it kind of depends on, on Will Roos's line of thinking. Again, what I've been, what I've been mentioning and you got to remember too, he's, he's an older coach and mm-hmm. that's why I, I think the organization hasn't said anything about it just because of the stat that I just told you, his record from 83 to what it is right now in 2022. So it, it, it definitely stirs up the pot for White Sox fans. And it does have a lot more questions than answers. So what what's caught your eyes so far? We're kind of, we're about a couple months into the baseball season as a whole, besides, you know, the Sox. What has caught your eyes so far? Player, team, you know, managerial firings, apparently. So. Gosh, uh, the Yankees for one, I knew pretty much within the first couple of games, I said, okay, there's something different about the Yankees this year. They're actually having a really good season and I can expect a lot of things out of them. And I mean, look at Rizzo. He's lighting it Mm -hmm. up out there for them. It's something that he probably hasn't done since his, uh, his prime time with the Cubs, you know? So I, I've been very impressed with, with the Yankees and their performance. Um, When it comes to players, Dylan Cease, what did I tell you at the beginning of the season, Sid, that he's going to be the pitcher to watch out for, especially for the White Sox now, almost getting, what, what do we say, 50 strike, 50, 15 strikeouts mm-hmm. um, within the first couple of weeks or months of the season. So I'm I'm really impressed with his performance and how Unfortunately, the team can't give him many wins. And yesterday yeah, was a prime that's example. The yeah, that's yeah. the frustrating part with it. The, the pitchers are doing their job, but it's the hit crew that needs to step up their game a little little bit more um but uh, surprising joe madden i didn't think that the angels were going to take it that far but when you lose 12 13 games in a row i guess that's a call for action in some cases so that was that was pretty surprising to see yeah i just wanted to back up your point christine before we move on that also too for the yankees and we me and lakina mentioned this in our last half hour uh, Garrett Cole, their star pitcher, he didn't have his best stuff last night, but yeah. giving up five home runs. But the Yankees' offense is w- what carried the day of, uh, as they took two out of three at Minnesota. But Aaron Judge, who's looking for new paper, uh, fresh cash, as the kids would say, and John mm-hmm. Carlos Stanton, uh, both those guys have been relatively healthy this year. That hasn't always been the case with those two over the past few years. So and that's another main reason why the Yankees are on top right now. Uh, look out for Tampa Bay. They swept the St. Louis Cardinals this week at home. So, mm-hmm. And the Toronto Blue Jays are back on track. So it's going to be a tight race in the AL East. You may have the three wild card spots coming out of the AL, AL East. And so that's why it's imperative for the White Sox to uh, win the AL Central. Uh, it, will Minnesota take off? I don't think so. But they're not going to go anywhere either. And you brought up the record from 83 uh, uh, with, when Tony Russo managed that team. Remember, that team won 20 games, won that division mm-hmm. by 20 games. I don't see that happening this year but the it may it depends on when and if it wax us really get on that high street and so this point the way they're playing right now it may take 85 86 games to win that division it might it just might 
We got all season for it. We got all season. <laughs> Absolutely. So that it'll be very interesting to see what happens here now. Now that I got that got you on, Christy. Uh, the golf uh, world. I know your I know your 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 boyfriend has been you know trying to uh, uh, qualify for the U.S. Open, which will be at, in Brookline, in Massachusetts, this year, just outside Boston, and it starts next week. But there seems to be other things that are going on there too. The Live Tour, which is sort of you know, a Saudi-backed, you know, rival. Well, not not really rival, but golf tour that is, you know, they're having their first, you know, tournament as we speak. And some of the top players, you know, Dustin Johnson has resigned from the PGA Tour. Uh, now going to be playing the, uh, the Live uh, Tour full-time, LIV. That's what that's what it's called. Also, two former U.S. Open champ, Graham McDowell, among others, Henry Stinson, Ian Poulter. Uh, no, no, Ian Poulter, I should say, and among some others, uh also phil mickelson too that's sort of like the big name we'll get to that him in a second now tiger and a few a few others always said you know has have said that he's not gonna go he's now he's now a billionaire ladies and gentlemen so yeah i'm also there but uh what do you think about all this because i think it's gonna get ugly because the pga tour now that players who play in the live tour will get suspended and such just a lot of crazy things crazy things happening right now now uh in golf uh christine <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think if you're someone that doesn't follow golf, you're probably thinking, wait a minute, what the heck is going on here? Or mm -hmm. what does this mean? Why are people getting so wound up about it? And, you know, if you if you look at world history, it's no secret why this whole um, this new tournament league is controversial. And, and this is how I like to explain it to people. I, I think mainly the reason why a lot of these professionals are are getting out of the PGA um, it, it could be a variety of reasons. One, say you're a guy like like Dustin Johnson, uh, Fowler, and Phil Mickelson. You've had a strong career with the PGA. You've made a lot of money, not from the PGA, but from the endorsements that you've had. Mm -hmm. And now you're at the point of your career saying, do I want to stay in a rut or do I want to have a little change with a whole lot of money attached to it? Money that the PGA would probably never get out give out to a player at least right now anyway um and because they've had an established career probably a, a safe bank account down in phil mickelson's case but with the other mm. golfers probably have a steady bank account they probably thought okay now this is a time to think about my family that's what dustin johnson said in the press conference a few days mm -hmm. ago this decision was based off what was best for his family when you're married to Wayne Gretzky's daughter, I'm sure mm. that has a hefty price tag. <laughs> <laughs> so, so therefore that's a family decision. Now here's the other situation. Why some golfers could be a part of this league. Say you're 22, 23 years old. You're just starting out in the PGA. And so far you're not really doing that well. Maybe you're making mm -hmm. 10,000 during a tournament, 10,000 in a tournament. Yeah. And then the, the live tournament comes up to you. The Saudi Arabia's come up to you and say, Hey, even though you're not performing to your best potential, we're going to offer you a two million, uh, not a $2 million, two year contract. And every tournament that you play, you're guaranteed a million dollars. Right. So seven tournaments, in in a year that's seven million dollars times that by two that's 14 million dollars even though you're not having the best career that's a whole lot of money for someone that really isn't performing to their potential so that is the decision that those players are making saying okay i'm gonna get established i'm gonna make some money mm -hmm. but here's the question that comes after that say your two-year contract is up 
and they don't re-sign you, well, now you come over to the PGA and that begs the question, are, is the PGA going to be willing to take you on? Are they going to suspend you even though at that point you're 25, 26 years old? So again, it depends on the situation and where you want your career to go. If you want to stay with the PGA and if you want to play with some of the best golfers in the world, mm-hmm. you're going to reject whatever the Live League is offering you. But if you only want to do this for a period of time and have a comfortable living with a potential future, whether it's still in professional golf in some way or you just want to have a normal life, then sign up for the Live Tournament. Um, it, it's a very touch-and-go subject. I know mm-hmm. with the players yesterday in the in the Canada Open, you have vocal guys like Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas that said, I don't disrespect the guys who are doing this live tournament. They're making the decision what's ever best for them and their family. Um, and then you got someone like Scotty Scheffler, great guy, but he's like, look, I'm just here to play golf. I, mm-hmm. I don't really care what's going on over there. I'm just right. here to play with some of the best golfers in the world. So right. it's a very, I was talking with this with my boyfriend because at first I was even confused about the whole thing because I'm like, wait a minute, why? <laughs> right. Like, what yeah. is actually going on here? And I brought up a, a very interesting point to him too. Notice back in January when Phil Mickelson came out with this league and his backing of it, so many people in the media and sports media fans gave him so much backlash for what he was saying. It basically was the top story for for a while. Then all of a sudden, a few weeks ago, you hear Dustin Johnson come out with his support. And nobody seems to really say anything about it to him. So whether it's because of Phil Mickelson's history or um, it's because what's transpiring into, okay, this is actually happening now, um, I don't know. I don't know that answer. Um, but what I do know is that it, it's going to be interesting. Golf is changing, whether it's mm-hmm. for the better, wh- whether it's for um, maybe a, bro- a broader fan base of the game. I don't know. I I, I don't know that. Um, but uh, whatever the case is, I I Chris and I were both saying that we didn't think that the PGA was going to suspend these players because if enough people rallied behind it, they're going to be like, okay, hold on. Before we make any rash decisions, let's let's just analyze here and see what we can do. Mm-hmm. Now that they came up saying, okay, these players are suspended, this may put a dent into some potential players' plans if they were thinking about joining the Live Tournament. I know Bryson DeChambeau, he was one of those guys that came out with Phil Mickelson when he said what he had to say about the league. And he kind of backed off for a period of time when he saw the backlash that Mickelson was getting. Mm-hmm. Now he's, you know, he was injured for a while. Ever since the Masters, he he was injured for a period of time. He's finally healthy. He's back touring. And mm-hmm. then he even has shared, again, his support of the league. Um, again, it sounds like it, from him, from his perspective, he thinks that players in the PGA should be treated with more respect and that should show in their paycheck, essentially. Now, he hasn't said yet if he's going to be part of this lift tournament. He's just expressed his support for the league and the guys that are doing it. Out of the 17 guys that were listed on the suspended list, his name was not on there yet. So right. it, it's mainly because I think he's still trying to debate 
whether or not what he wants to do. Like I said, he's just coming back from from an injury and he's just kind of getting back into the swing of things, no pun intended. Um, so it's it just a matter of time, I think, to see if he's going to make a decision on whether or not joining a league. And I also said, you know, this could potentially open up a door to some more relations outside of the game too. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of, there's a lot of outlets to what's happening right now with that. Um, so you can only assume again, why players are doing it for their reasons, but, but that's, that's my take on it. I, I'm not, because I'm not totally knowledgeable. I'm knowledgeable enough to know what's going on. Um, I'm not knowledgeable enough to say, whether I support this or not, because we don't know the end game to this. We don't know what the what the motive is behind this league or anything like that. So I'm I'm gonna refrain from saying an opinion because I'm I just don't feel comfortable with having an opinion at this point when it's right. so new. Uh, last moment or two with our homegirl Christine Manica from KXRB right here on Second City Sports Live and in Living Color, the Friday edition, right here on Sports Zone Chicago. Sid Lakina here with you. Lakina, uh, not Lakina, uh, you too, Lakina, but Christine, let's get your take about the NBA Finals game for us tonight between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics from TD Bay North Garden. Tip off is at 8 o'clock Chicago time on ABC. The Celtics lead that best of seven series, two games to one. Of course, Boston got back on in the series on Wednesday with the 116-100 victory over Golden State. Where do you see this go series going? Gosh, you know, the Celtics were really handing it to the Golden State Warriors on Wednesday. We were, when my mom is in town, so we were, we caught a little bit of that game on Wednesday and we're just like, holy cow, like this is just like no contest right now. Mm -hmm. The Warriors, they had to fight to even make it kind of a close game towards the end of it. Right. Um, so I think this is kind of funny. One of my coworkers, um, his name is Jeff. He's like, I do not want to see another Celtics championship. I can't stand it. <laughs> what, do you, what do you have against the Celtics? He's like, I, I, I just can't see another Celtics victory. I just can't. Um, so I think, especially with it still being at the Garden, I, I really think that Boston's going to have another, another solid win here tonight. Unless, you know, someone kicked the Warriors in the butt a little bit after that game. I, I think the Celtics, they're, they're really strong right now. Going to be very interesting, though, because I, I feel like it's going to be one of those sort of cases where who's going to get the hot hand, you know, whether it's shooting and, and such. So just crazy. But uh, apparently, uh, we'll switch gears and talk some NFL. Apparently, uh, and we'll talk more about this later after our interview with Swerves, but you know, apparently the Rams, you know, salary cap, what's that? They signed both their top players, Aaron Brutal Donald. Picks. <laughs> and I'll say, yeah, Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup to new deals. Uh, so we'll, well, like I said, we'll delve more into this after, but I wanted to get Christine's thoughts on it because it's just crazy how, like, hey, you know what, picks, whatever, you know, salary cap, whatever. <laughs> what do you think about what the Rams are doing? Can I just say first, I'm before I get to the Rams, I am very happy for Akeem Hicks. I didn't get to talk yeah. to you guys about this, but I'm very happy for Akeem Hicks that he is getting a chance with the with the Buccaneers. He deserves it. He's had a lot of unfortunate luck with the Bears and injuries and whatnot. I still think that he's a strong player. So kudos to him for securing that deal with the Buccaneers. I expect him to be to be a very strong asset for that line and for Tom Brady. So congrats to Akeem Hicks. Like that's an awesome opportunity for him. When it comes to, you know, Donald and Cooper Cup, I, it was actually kind of like, wait a minute, they didn't sign him on already. You got the triple crown in Cup, and then you have 
Donald, who's just good. But then again, he was kind of on the fence, one of those players that was on the fence about retiring. So I I honestly was shocked when I when I heard, oh yeah, they just signed him. They just signed him. What do you mean you just signed him? Like I was kind of taken back by it. All right, Christine, before we let you go, uh, what what is the broadcasting um, venue that you're doing uh, right now? I know you had to join us a little bit earlier today, but we want to say congratulations on that. For those folks that don't know, tell us about it. Um, It is a new semi-pro amateur women's soccer league. It's the WPSL League, Women's Professional Soccer League, um, and it's the first women's team here and Sioux Falls. So they just had their first home game, inaugural home game last week. They won two minutes left. It was going to be a draw. And then um, I believe it was a Wetterstrom on, on our team that got, that got that goal um, at the last minute to beat um, Manitou, uh, Mankato, excuse me. So that was, that was pretty exciting and stuff, but yeah, I'm, I'm the game announcer for them. And, you know, I, I should have told you this guys earlier, but um, the game was actually postponed tonight um, because of COVID cases on the opposing team. They, they have too many COVID Ooh. cases going around. So that game is actually rescheduled. Uh, I'm assuming it's going to be within the next week or so, but yeah, okay. I got that news like last night about it. I was, I was kind of bummed about it. Um, but at the same time, it's a, it's a, another chance for them to, to work on whatever else they need to work on when it comes to their offense and finding a, a better rhythm with their team. It's a brand new team. You know, these girls have only played with each other for, I want to say two going on three weeks now collectively as a full team. So it's all about finding that rhythm, finding what works and what doesn't. And their coach, um, his name is Dale Weiler. He is um, a former professional soccer player himself. He played up in uh, Minnesota for a period of time. And a long time ago, a couple of years ago, he was saying how he's wanted to bring a woman's team to Sioux Falls. He's wanted to have that opportunity to coach them. And these two women, Emily Nelson, uh, Emily Thomas and Melissa Nelson, they said last year, why not do it now? Well, let's, let's do it. We both have daughters in soccer. Let's bring this program to fruition. And, and so far it's been a, it's been a great success. We had over 600 um, fans at the game last week. So it just shows the, the need and the want for, for this organization and for the support for the team. So that was very awesome to see. And it's great to be a, to be a part of it. All right. So, uh, well, look, I wish you had told us. Maybe you could hang out with us for the rest of the show. You know, if you want me to hang out with you for a little bit, I can. For I, I feel I feel horrible. I just no. uh, and then my partner, he's gone on vacation this week at work, so I've been holding down the fort. It's it's been a week. Let me tell you, it's been a <laughs> week coming off surgery. It's it's high gear. <laughs> Sid. Oh, yeah, so let's bring Christine back at the bottom of the hour after our interview uh, with, with Trust Swirsky, who's coming up next uh, right here on Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago. Christine, we, you said we still have a little bit more to discuss with you, and, and we'll, we'll have some fun as usual. So thank you for joining us early. We'll bring it back within the next half hour. How about that? That sounds good, guys. Thanks. All right. All right. See you in a bit. All right. All right. So we're going to gear up for our interview with the man himself. Uh, Bulls radio announcer Chuck Swirsky. We're going to talk his career. Of course, we'll talk some NBA Finals and all the crazy mm -hmm. rumors that are happening with the Bulls so far in the offseason. 
Sydney Brown, Lakina McGee, Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago, and we'll talk to you guys in a bit. Welcome back to hour number two of Second City Sports, the Friday edition, real live and in living color, right here on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Miss Lakeem McGee, who is she? I am Sydney Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's SIDKID80. That's SIDKID80. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan Score McGee on the IG. Uh, I, I guess, uh, what's, what's the update on Swarsk? Yeah, he's going to join us in a couple of minutes here. So Chuck Swarsky, the Bulls radio voice uh, for 670 in the score, he does a great job with Bill Winnington. He's going to 
hop on with us in the next few minutes. But be before then, we have less than an hour left of this extravagance we call it Sports Talk Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments uh, during our uh, last hour of the show, you can go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page and on Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. While we wait for Chuck to come on, Lakina, uh, let's get our thoughts about the NBA Finals. Of course, the Boston Celtics have a 2-1 to series lead. I wanted to get your thoughts, Lakina, about Wednesday's uh, Game 3 victory for Boston. Were you surprised or was it what you expected? Because during the NBA countdown preview show on ABC, everybody on the panel except for Stephen A. picked, um, uh, picked the Boston Celtics to win. As I told you, it's going to be a split in Boston. Of course, I'm giving my hand away who's going to win tonight. But it wasn't surprising what I saw from the Boston Celtics. Even though Golden State had that great third quarter, Boston did enough in the fourth quarter to hold on for a victory. Yeah, it's sort of one of those things where you thought that once you know the, the Warriors got hot, especially in that third quarter, you thought, oh, okay, yeah, uh, it's going to be the repeat of what we saw in game one, but that turned out not to be the case. To Boston's credit, they were able to they settled down. They were able to kind of get things going and such. You know, guys hit mm -hmm. you know big shots. I know Steph got banged up too, so I, you got to wonder that that played a little bit of a part as well. But uh, I, I think for me, I think tonight, look, this is going to be one of some of those, those you know, this, this is going to be one of those series where – you know, mm -hmm. it's going to be up and down. You know, one team is going to get hot, you know, from the field. One team isn't. I know Draymond, you know, he always scored two points. You know, he got, he fouled out early. Scott Foster, you know, did Scott Foster things, if you will. And, <laughs> and, Don't tell uh, that to Chris Paul. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, yeah, I think that played a part as well. He needs to step up. I mean, there are guys that need to step up more. Uh, I know Jordan Poole only had 10 points, but he could do more. Mm -hmm. Gary Payton the second. I know he's getting, you know, kind of get back into a rhythm, but he needs to do more. Otto Porter Jr., we saw him in game one. He's kind of disappeared since then. Kelvin Looney, you know, only had six points. He needs to step up a little bit more like we saw during the Western Conference Finals. So it's just so much, so many parameters and so much, you know, things and other stuff. So I don't know, like, what is, uh, you know, it's sort of one of those things where I just don't think, look, no one's going to run away in this series. I it just, it just mm -hmm. isn't going to happen. These two teams are way too good. You saw, you know, Jalen Brown had 27 points. Also, Jason Tam had 26 points and such. And this is one of those things where it's kind of like, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of like I said, you just you really just can't mm -hmm. make any predictions. Also, Marcus Moore had 24 points as well there. This is like, I think, what, the like the third time, I guess, that a trio or a second time that a trio has scored at least 20 points and five rebounds and five assists in the finals game. You go all the way back to 84 with uh, Kareem, Magic, and Michael Cooper in eighty in their series against the Celtics. Now they ended up mm -hmm. losing that series <laughs> against the Celtics. The Lakers did so. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, you know, you, you take that for what you will. But uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be one of those crazy things. Hopefully, we get to talk about this when we get uh, Mr. Swirsky on a little bit. But I, I, I feel like this is sort of you know one of those series where you're gonna. It's going to be back and forth. It's going to be like, you know, the uh, ping pong. You know, you're going to have one team's going to have an advantage. I think the Warriors are going to win tonight. I kind of gave away what, I'm, what my prediction is. But I, I think this is sort of, you know, we'll see if, you know, Steph, we'll see how that, how that foot injury is. It doesn't seem serious. There's no ligament damage or anything like that. But mm -hmm. I'm, I'm hoping that he can be 100% because I think, you know, Clay is still trying to get into a rhythm again and such. You know, Draymond's got stuff up. He even said he played like crap. I won't say the other word that he uh, used right. in front of his. People were going all over all that, you know, been out of shape when he talked about it in front of his son DJ, but I'm sure he's probably heard that. But it's it's not a big deal, folks. But uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens tonight. But I, I think this is going to be one of those series where, like I said, it's going to 
really going to depend on you know who had the advantages and advantages and such because look, I know people are already making your know, one prediction over, but I think you just can't really you can't really make any predictions at this point. And for the Golden State Warriors, you mentioned Steph Curry. He had 31 points, but he got into early foul trouble, and that's what set him back. And Clay Thompson, we talked about this on our last show on Monday, Lakina, that he needed to have a big game. Uh, he kind of struggled in game two. He struggled in the first two games of this final series. He had, he had a couple of big shots in game two, but it wasn't a Clay Thompson we expected to see. Now, we got that performance on Wednesday, but he had to carry them, especially in that first half because of Steph Curry's early foul troubles and Draymond Green was doing Draymond Green's. He just got caught with his pants down. Uh, no pun intended. And of course, we all talked about, about how that crowd was a factor at the TD Bay North Garden the other night. It's going to be a bigger factor tonight with their team uh, being up 2-1 in the series. So you mentioned Jordan Poole. He has to do more. He, I know he had 10 points, but it, it seems like the Warriors just couldn't get it going. Now, on the flip side for Boston, all their stars got in foul trouble in game two. You didn't say that on Wednesday. So, Jason Tatum carried that momentum that he had in game two over to game three. Marcus Smart scored more than two points. Jalen Brown was very active on both ends. And, and their bench, uh, Grant Williams uh, chimed in with 10 points. And uh, Derek White, he didn't have the game one performance, but he chipped in with seven important points. And so Boston got contributions all down their roster. Uh, and minus that third quarter, the uh, the Boston Celtics uh, kept up that energy, even though they led by 14 points at the half. As I said before, minus that third quarter, you saw that the Boston Celtics were able to uh, regroup themselves and uh, come away with a the victory. They got it done on the defensive end. It's been that calling card all year, and we'll see what happens tonight for game four. It's going to really going to depend on who can, you know, like I said, who can hit their shots, who can be able to step up more on defense. So, look, there's going to be a, like I said, I don't think, look, I don't think that well, all these souls are going to run away with this. I just don't think you see it happening. It's going to be mm -hmm. one of those instances where I, I feel like this is going to be like, you know what? Look, we'll see if more of those guys can step up. I think all the role players are going to, that's going to really going to be the key. We said it before, and it's going to be the mm -hmm. case for these, the rest of the series. Yeah, you're listening to Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago, the Friday edition. We're live and in living color right here on Sports on Chicago. Sid Lakina here with you. We are waiting. Chuck Swarski, the radio voice for the Chicago Bulls, he'll join us here coming up. Lakina, I want to get your thoughts on tonight's contest. Uh, what do you, what do you, are your keys for tonight's games for both teams? Like I said, I think Draymond has to step up. And I, I, like I said before, I think he needs, I know he said that he's going to step up, but let's see if he can. We'll see if Clay can kind of be the, the resemblance of the clay that we saw. We saw him have what 29, 25 points. I should say, we'll see, we'll see how Steph is. We know he's not hundred percent and look like all the role players, you know, Jordan Poole, Gary Payton, the second Otto Porter mm -hmm. jr. Iggy. I mean, all those guys need to step up, you know, for the warriors because that, that core with, you know, with Draymond and Steph and Clay, I mean, they're all a little banged up and they need to step up. And as far as the Celtics mm -hmm. are concerned, you know, we'll see if both, if, um, if Brown and Tatum and Smart can score 20 points, but they need more contributions from the guys off the bench. You know, Grant Williams needs, needs to step up. Robert Williams mm -hmm. needs to step up. Al Horford, you know, he had, he had 11 points. We'll see if we'll see the, the Al Porter, you know, fountain of use tonight and some of the other role players and the bench players for Boston need to step up. So it's really going to depend on who steps up. And we've been saying it through all, all series long. And I think we've seen it so far with some of the other ones, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. 
Yeah, for me, quickly, the key for tonight's game for Boston continue to uh, bring that intensity, especially on the defensive end, and, and that's how they got most of their buckets thus far. Yes, they had high shooting in game one, but to, to create their offense, it goes through their defense. And for the Warriors, they have to uh, rebound and, and get back to playing their team defense uh, that they, they've been known for all year long. Uh, we have our guest, Lakina, and he's one of the great NBA broadcasters uh, around. Uh, he's a great Chicago broadcaster, a true gentleman in our business. Let's please welcome him uh, for his debut right here on Second City Sports. He is the one, the only Mr. Chuck Swarski. Chuck, welcome Yay! to our show. Hey, Sydney and Regina, how are you guys doing? Doing oh, great. How about yourself? Happy to join you this. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. Thank you very much. No problem. Uh, for those of you that are listening back on our replay at War on Anger, Chuck is, of course, wearing his great Bulls jersey with the great Nike swoosh on it. We love it. We love it. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> we were talking about the NBA Finals, Chuck. Of course, Game 4 is tonight between the Celtics and the Warriors at 8 o'clock on ABC. Of course, Boston has a 2-1 to series edge so far. Uh, give us your take about the NBA Finals thus far? Is it what you expected or have you been surprised in some ways that, uh, so far early in the series? Well, again, three games. We have a lot of basketball to be played. Obviously, for Golden State, they need tonight's game. Uh, the way the Celtics are so resilient, they're 7-0 and after losing a game. So mm -hmm. that, that tells me, and I'm not really one for stats, but that's a big stat because that tells me they get refocused and they get refocused in a hurry, Sydney. But you know what? When I look at this series, and Lakina, you probably have a pulse on this series as well as anyone. I mean, the way Brown and Tatum have come together. And I'm going to share a story with you if I have just a moment, Sydney. Go ahead. So the Bulls are in Boston early in the season. And Lakina, you can probably Google this game. Boston was up by like 19 points going into the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden, that lead evaporated. These players in the NBA are so good that even a 19-point lead can disappear mm -hmm. in a snap of the fingers. So all of a sudden, you know, the Bulls st stage an unbelievable comeback. They storm from behind, win the game, and afterwards, Marcus Smart went off in the locker room mm -hmm. telling reporters, like, we got to play together. You know, we got too many ISOs, the whole bit. And I'm paraphrasing now, but I think that was his message to reporters. And Marcus Smart is not only a quote-unquote smart man, but <laughs> he also is the leader of that ball club without any question. He brings so mm -hmm. many intangibles. I love the guy. I love his heart. I love his spirit. I love his grit his toughness. And so I, he knew exactly what he was doing. Now, sometimes players can do this, but it goes south. In other words, it's a deterrent and it does just the opposite of what you plan to do. Now, I'm not saying that this was preconceived because it wasn't. I think Marcus Smart was speaking in the moment. But in that moment, it sent a major message and they turned this around in the second half of the season, and Boston looked like a completely different ball club. I think they grew up. I think the maturation of Robert Williams, the acquisition of Derek White, mm -hmm. the coaching of Emika Adoka really has come into play here because he, he it's been seamless as an assistant to a head coach. And he probably would disagree with that, 
because there are bumps in the road. This is a tough profession as a head coach in the NBA, but things have come together for Boston. And that's why Golden State needs to be very, very careful with ball possessions, but especially how they're going to handle pick and rolls on the offense and defense and how they're going to combat Boston's stellar D. What do you think the Warriors need to do to get back in this and tie it tonight? Because I think more the role players need to step up more. Draymond, Jordan Poole, former Bull, Otto Porter Jr. Who do you think needs to step up tonight for the Warriors? Well, I think collectively, you know what, Lakina, I think defensively they've got to step it up. And, I mean, again, if Golden State wins tonight, then it's a best of three. And, you know, those two games are in San Francisco. So we have to put things in perspective. But again, this is a turning point game, in my opinion, for both ball clubs. And when I when I look at Golden State, you know, Draymond is an interesting guy uh, because I do think, um, you know, he's surrounded by great players and he has elevated himself from a defensive standpoint to a team guy that he has probably put himself in discussion one day when his career is over for the Hall of Fame. Because I do believe that the pieces of this puzzle in the whole, he is a key, key piece. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can see Green going in the Hall of Fame. I can see Steph Curry going in the Hall of Fame. Klay Thompson right now is probably borderline. He needs to have some more good seasons. But this entire scope of Golden State and the run they're on has been remarkable. So I think Golden State as a unit, they need to play some really good D tonight. Obviously, everyone knows in this league, it's a make or miss league. You got to make shots. Chuck Swarski, Bulls Radio Voices, joining us right here on the Friday edition of Second City Sports. We're live in Living Color right here on Sports Zone Chicago. Sid Lakini here with you, Chuck. Let's go to the Chicago Bulls. Of course, uh, it was a disappointing ending to the season, losing to the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round in five games, but they did bring basketball back. Uh, to Chicago with 46 uh, regular season wins. But before the, the season uh, started, Chuck, uh, be honest, did you expect the Bulls to win 46-48 uh, games? Yours truly said between 46-48, if things really fell well, they could perhaps 150. But did you expect the performances out of DeMar DeRozan and Ayo Dusumu um, coming into the season, or were you surprised just like the rest of us? So, Sydney, you're saying you picked the Bulls to win 48 games, 46 to 48? Before the season started, yes. Yeah, wow. Right in that range, yep. Yeah. You, you, you and I are going to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, that, that's a pretty good call there, Sydney. Um, you know what? I, um, I, I thought the ball club would be improved, but I, I didn't know where along the lines of Ws. I'm not very good at that, so I got to tap into your brain. You got the mojo going, Sydney. But, um, you know, I, I think when, when Williams went down, I, I thought, oh, my gosh, like, you know, this is a serious injury here. He's going to miss months, not a month, not six to eight weeks. We're talking like four months. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, there's a guy that really impressed me with his attitude and his heart, and that's Javante Green. I, I, I listen. I get it. Javante Green is a role player, but you know what? He accepts any role thrown his way. You want to start? You're going to start. You're going to play 35 minutes a night. Then all of a sudden, you know what? We're going with a different look and you're coming off the bench and you're going to be playing 
12 minutes a night or 18 minutes a night. And he never complains. I love players like this. And all of a sudden, you know, the ball club at the all-star break is tied for first with Miami. Mm -hmm. And then they lose Lonzo. And all of a sudden these, whether it's COVID, whether it's injuries. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, Sydney and Lakina, you've got to have your best players on the floor. If you don't have your best players on the floor, you're going to struggle. I mean, you know, Steph Curry, look what happened to Golden State without him in the line of a year. I mean, you got to have really good players to play. The availability of players in the league, to me, is if I'm a GM and I'm about to make a trade, I'm looking at how many games has this player played over the last three or four years. Because if this player isn't capable of playing at least 70 games, okay, then I've got to start saying, all right, like, where are we going with this? You've got to have your best players on the floor to have any continuity. So I think with the Bulls, if they can come into training camp with a healthy Lonzo and, you know, if Levine resigns, but I trust this front office – I trust Billy Donovan, so I'm encouraged by what I've seen. But, again, this is a very, very competitive industry. And you know in the offseason, Brooklyn's going to take a big picture with Kyrie Irving. Do we re-sign him? Do we do a sign-and-trade? You know, Philly might be looking to make some moves. You've got a lot of things, moving parts here in the East. Yeah, I was going to ask you about, uh, Zach, all the crazy rumors, you know, flying around, you know, San Antonio, Dallas, Atlanta, Portland. I mean, just basically pretty much everywhere in the <laughs> league so far for the most part. Do you think Do you think Zach resigns here? You know what, Lakina? Here's the story. He has earned the right to be a free agent. So mm -hmm. I, I give him total respect. He played out the contract. He did a great job with the Bulls. And now it's up to him and his representative. Do I want Zach Levine back? Absolutely. I mean, I love the guy. And I do love the guy. I mean, he's a, he's a good man in the community, does a lot of stuff people don't know about, and he just gets it done. And when healthy, he's a really, really, really good all-star player, as we know. He was playing really through sheer guts and heart with one leg, you know, the last half of the season. I don't think there's any doubt about it. We didn't see that burst to the rim. Um, so all these rumors, and I, you have to understand what you do, Likina and Sydney. you know, these rumors are started by agents, by close friends who really have never met Zach Levine, but they say, <laughs> hey, I heard that this team is really going yeah. after him. And the next thing you know, it's on Hoops Hype, a real GM. <laughs> Or it's picked up by some blogger who's probably, you know, downstairs in the basement saying, you know, let's send Zach Levine to the planet Pluto for, you know, 100 stars <laughs> to a new And they'll say, yes, Zach Levine's going to Pluto. And, and I mean, you, I mean I'm, I'm being comical about this, but it's a big game that's going on. I mean, it's I, – I saw this when I was in Toronto and Vince Carter was a free agent. There were so many stories. Vince Carter's going to New York. Vince Carter's going to L.A. Vince Carter. And I'm thinking, you know, Vince Carter, we're going to have a, a team in Chapel Hill. And let's start a Vince Carter team in the NBA. I mean, come on. So he re-signs with the Raptors. 
Now, what happens from this point on? I have no idea. You know, that's for people way above me to figure things out. But do I want Zach Levine back? No question. Uh, another important role player that made a big impact on this Bulls team before his injuries. He, he, uh, he tried in the playoffs, but he was still injured again. That was Alex Caruso. I remember watching him with the Lakers over the past couple of years. And we told people that his uh, his energy, especially from the defensive end, uh, the Lakers really missed a lot this year. But uh, Alex Caruso was one of them. And before uh, Grayson Allen did that nasty injury to him back in January, you saw the impact of Alex Caruso on this Bulls team. Uh, talk to us about Alex Caruso, both on and off the court. Well, again, you know, tough, um, very, very dedicated to playing within himself. He knows his strengths. He knows what he can do. And he does it very well. Uh, leadership qualities off the charts. Very well respected in the locker room. Good man. So, uh, again, we're talking about a player, unfortunately, with Grayson Allen. And then he took that elbow, you know, up at, uh, you know, yeah. on the sideline. Mm -hmm. And so now, like, you know, I'm, I'm hoping he's healthy. I haven't spoken to any of the Bulls since the uh, elimination game. So, you know, you got to have your best players on the floor. And I just hope, you know, come October, he will be healthy and ready to roll because um, the Bulls really, you saw how they galvanized defensively with him on the court. How impressive. I know he kind of took a, you know, sort of showed some rookie tendencies near the end, but how impressive was Io DeSumo was oh, this season? I love Io. You know, I really, I had never met him. I had seen him on television, but I had never met him, never went to a game where he played whether it was in Champaign or in Evanston, whatever, when the Alina would play the Wildcats. So I, from an optic standpoint, Lakina, this is the first time I saw him up close and personal. And what I saw was a hungry player, which I love. I saw a tenacious player. I saw a coachable player. And I saw a player with heart. And I saw a player get better and a player who would do whatever it took for his team to be successful. And so, you know, as we speak, he's probably in the gym. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me because this kid wants to get better. And, you know, there's elements of his game where he knows he has to improve, and he will improve because that's the way his mindset is. He's never satisfied. He is a winning, winning player. And he's a great young man. Bulls radio voice Chuck Swarski is kind enough to join us right here on Second City Sports, the Friday edition, live and in living color right here on Sports on Chicago. Sid Lakina here with you. Chuck, I know the last couple of years for all of us has been challenging uh, dealing with COVID and everything else. Last year, you guys, uh, you and Bill Wennington uh, re returned uh, to the United Center, but there were no fans until the end of last uh, end of the season a couple of years ago. This past year, fans were allowed back, and you guys were allowed to call the games from courtside finally. Uh, talk to us about how, how that made you feel. Well, Sydney, uh, number one, I, I appreciate the safety and security of the United Center and the Bulls organization. I mean, COVID um, hit everyone, mm -hmm. uh, not only our ball club, but the mom and pop dry cleaners down the street and the hair salons. And, you know, the 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 7-Elevens, everyone was affected. So I, I appreciate first responders and the medical field and people 
who roll up their sleeves each and every day to make sure that you know we're healthy and we're okay. So having said that, in the United Center for Home Games, we were, during the COVID window, we were upstairs in the 200 level. So Stacy and Adam were calling a game at the 200 level, and we were just to the left of them, okay, without fans. Um, and then the last, like, four games of the season, the Bulls were eliminated, of course, but they allowed, like, 300 fans, I think, 400 fans at most, um, to come in, friends of families, that sort of thing, to watch a game. That was it. For road games, we didn't travel, as you mentioned, Sydney. So the United Center and the Bulls put us in the uh, basement of the Bulls concourse area where we were probably, I would have to say, maybe – 100 to 150 yards away from the locker room. So we were in this room, and our engineer, Rich Wyatt, of 670 The Score, put together a phenomenal studio. Big screen TVs. He'd bring his own TVs from home just to you know give us another monitor, so to speak. And we would take the NBA feed, the raw feed, and we would call the game off a monitor. And just like you're talking to me right now and I'm talking to you off my computer screen, this was an enlarged screen. So, so, and which was great considering everything. The problem was for road games, let's say the Bulls are in Oklahoma City, just to name a team. <laughs> well, we got the Oklahoma City video feed. So, of course, they're going to lock in on the Thunder. You know, if there's a discussion with the coach and the players, or if something happened, they're going to zero in on Oklahoma City. So if something happened where there was a technical foul on one of the Bulls, or somebody got nicked up, or there was a discussion uh, during a timeout, we had no idea, none. Mm -hmm. And we were going off then my little laptop that was connected to an NBA secured media site where they would have like play-by-play -play and fouls and mm -hmm. points. And so if someone did receive a technical foul, it would pop up on the screen. Now it may take a minute or two, but it would eventually get there. So we had to face all these challenges, but in the big picture, Sydney, it, 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 it's pale in comparison to what other people went through in COVID. So I wanna make sure that we put things in perspective here that, you know, it was not a, a life and death situation. We're calling a basketball game off a screen. That, that was it. And a lot of people have much more important things going on in their world than whether or not you, you find out that Billy Donovan picked up a technical foul in the third quarter to put things in perspective. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, Chuck, I know you're a big Bears fan as well. I wanted yeah. to talk a little bit about that. You know, of course, Matt Eberflus <laughs> takes over as head coach. And uh, of course, at Ryan Poles as GM, you know, Justin Fields are doing like a lot of team bonding. They were at the the Cubs. Uh, they were at Wrigley Field, I believe, yeah. early this week. So what, what what's your perspective on the Bears, you know, this year as we go into this sort of rebuilding stage? Yeah, well, you know what, Lakina, I thought it was great. I saw those video clips with the bears and, and I mean, you know, Justin Fields cranking out a home run and uh, you know, just 
the amazing, amazing uh, culture that's being developed. You see, I'm going to take off my hat. You see, I have no hair. That's because of the bears. I'm going to blame the bears <laughs> in the last few years because I pulled my hair out. I mean, I'm a fan. I love the bears. I love the bears even before I came to Chicago because when I was a kid growing up in Seattle, we would get bears games in uh, at 10 a.m. because Pacific time, mm-hmm. two hours behind Central. So, mm-hmm. you know, we would come home from church. It would be 10 a.m. And when I was a little boy, I would see these helmets with a C on the helmet. And I thought it stood for Charlie, which was my name, which, you know, what people called me when I was a kid. I said, Mom, they named a team after me, Charlie, because they, you know, the C <laughs> emblem on the helmet, on the side of the helmet. And that's how I became a Bears fan. Um, but, uh, and then reality said in my mom's, I know that's for the city of Chicago. That's a city in the Midwest. Uh, I'd like to, I don't want to burst your bubble here, but it's not, you know, the, the Charlies. <laughs> so anyway, I'm a huge Bears fan and I am so amped to see where this is going. They may have a few hiccups this year, obviously, but their cap room for 2023 is like crazy. It's unbelievable. And, um, you know, I can't wait to see what they're going to do. I I do think they've got a really good GM who came in from the Chiefs organization and their defensive coordinator from Indianapolis, now the head coach, Eberflus. Am I pronouncing that right, uh, Lakina? Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. And so, you know, let's give them a shot because it has to be better than what we had in the previous regime. Hand down the home stretch for Mr. Chuck Swarski, the Bulls radio voice right here on Sports on Chicago. We're live in the Olympic Color on Second City Sports. Sid Lakin here with you. Chuck, uh, Steve Stone, the great baseball analyst, celebrated his 40th year uh, um, in the game as far as a broadcaster. I was there at the Sox game on Tuesday. I saw your picture on Twitter. As people can follow you at CST Bulls. And you called a couple of games with Steve Stone a couple of years ago. Tell us what was the experience like and what did you learn from him? Well, I learned a lot. I mean, Sydney, I mean, it was just amazing to sit, you know, six inches apart from a Cy Young Award winner and a man who knows the game as well as anyone. I'm a big Steve Stone fan, huge Mm -hmm. Steve Stone fan as a person and then as an analyst. And um, wow, I mean, you know, just how he could take a game and dissect it and break down where a pitcher is at on the mound, what's going through his mind. Uh, why he's throwing a certain pitch at a certain time, what a hitter is thinking during that period. I mean, it was an amazing, wonderful experience because I went into that. I went into that assignment filling in for Hawk Harrelson, and I felt a lot of pressure doing so because Hawk is Hawk, mm-hmm. and I, I I am not Hawk. I'm just me. But uh, <laughs> you know, the good or bad. But just to sit next to Steve, I went in there, Sydney, like a, a blank canvas. And I let him paint the picture, not me. I didn't pitch Major League Baseball. He did. He knows what a pitcher is feeling with the bases loaded and a 3-1 count. I can't do that. I can say Brown on the mound with a 3-1 count to McGee. And that's one thing. But I can't tell you, all right, you know, he's really struggling with his four-seam fastball, and he's got to go back to the cutter, or he's got to go to a changeup. 
and that's the beauty of Steve Stone. Well, right before we get to get to my uh, next question for you, Chuck, uh, we got our friend here from KXRB in Sioux Falls. Our girl Christine Manica wants just you know, wanted to say hi because she's a big fan of yours. Hey, Christine. She's hi, Chuck. We're Twitter buddies, actually. So it's nice to <laughs> nice to see you in, in virtually, anyway. Yes, thank you. All right. Now, as for uh, my question, uh, you've done so much through your career, Chuck. You've You've called games, of course, with the you know, with the Raptors and the Bulls and other sports as well. You've hosted shows for multiple stations. Do you have like a favorite you know thing that you like to do, or are you just one of those folks that you know what, whatever whatever they need me to do, I'll do it? Or do you have like well, yeah, a favorite? I mean, listen, you know, I, I take on any assignment as a challenge, and um, you know, I've been very blessed. There, there's no doubt about that. Um, and you know, I give all the glory to God because he's put me in this position with some skills and then it's up to me to take advantage of those skills. And that's how I approach things. But I would say of the games that I called, because I've seen a lot of things, but the games that I have personally broadcast, it had to be Kobe's 81 point game in 2006 in LA when I was calling the Raptor games. And I will never ever forget that. And my former broadcast partner at Michigan, Rob Polinka, who's now the GM of the Lakers, um, represented Kobe, as you know. And so I met Kobe after the game, just briefly, congratulated him. And then the following year, when the Raptors went to L.A. on our pregame show, we had a chance to sit down and talk with him before the game, which is usually not happening because, like, you don't get a player before the game. Um, these teams are very reluctant to make players available, especially superstar players. But because of my association with Rob and that started like an opportunity that when I saw Kobe, when he played the Raptors or played the Bulls, I would run into him for just a couple of minutes. He was an unbelievable person in terms of not only remembering names, but also I mean, just when he spoke to you, Lakina, I mean, he looked at you in the eyes. He wasn't going around Sydney and Christine saying, who's the other person that's coming into the room? Oh, yeah. And <laughs> you know, do that. I mean, he spoke to you. He spoke to you. And he felt that you were like the biggest person in the room. So when he had the 81-point game, uh, I, I mean, could it happen again? Sure. But... Uh, I, I do think that calling that game, I still have the box score. I still have the tape. And what's most important, I still have the memories in my heart. Uh, Chuck, is speaking of social media, Christine brought up the you guys being social media buddies. I wanted to bring it. I know Christine's going to kill me for this, no pun intended, but I like, I'm not saying it's just because, but I like following you on social media, Chuck, because after every Bulls win, you have, you have this uh, victory dance. Where did that come from? How did it get started? And I hope you keep it going. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. Here's what happened. So we're like, we're in the bunker in the United Center, you know, during COVID. And like two years ago, um, you know, the Bulls weren't really good. I mean, we were like, we weren't very good, as you know. And this was the first year where AK and Mark could really like ascertain 
where they're at and what's happening. Mm -hmm. And so after one game, the Bulls won. And like mm -hmm. we were we were in a bad stretch of games and the Bulls won. So after the game, like, you know, I stood up, I started dancing and our engineer, Rich Wyatt, taped it. And he goes, this is great. I'm going to put it online. I said, what? And so I said, go ahead, whatever. And it just went viral and people picked it up. And so after every game, you know, I, I want to make sure that people understand this. Number one, this is about jubilation and celebration. I, I am not, um, this is not a directive uh, in any way whatsoever in a negative manner at the opposing team. Okay. It's not personal. So when the Bulls win a game, it's I'm not dancing uh, to um, destroy anybody or anything or the image of what the opposing team just went through. So I hope people understand that. This is just me having fun. The Bulls won, and that's it. It's a game. You know, I leave it in the arena afterwards. But at, right after the game, when the Bulls win, I want to, you know, just let it all hang out and say, hey, Great job. Boom. We turn the page. We put it up on social media. That's it. I'm not <laughs> trying to disparage anybody. Just don't hurt yourself. I've seen That's a couple right. times where Thank you, you hurt, yourself. <laughs> hurt yeah. yourself. So it's, it's just uh, hilarious. Uh, last question for me. Uh, where do you think the Bulls ceiling is these next few years? Because I, I feel like I know people say, you know, whether they, you know, if, there are going to be changes made, you know, during the off season. I know Vuce is, you know, the under impression that he's going to stay. So do you think they can win a championship or he's perhaps maybe contend for a championship these next few years? Well, I think these are building blocks. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, the, the bulls have limited cap room. So, I mean, uh, this is going to be a very intriguing off season to see the add-ons or are they going to make a trade? I have no idea, but I, I at least I can say this, Lakina. I, they've, they've got a plan and they're going to stick with this plan. And they have some really, really good people in the front office, whether it's our tourists, whether it's Mark, whether it's JJ Polk, they've got people who know what they're doing. Okay. And they're going to think outside the box. They're going to be aggressive, but they also are going to use this. And this is not, they don't want a bandaid effect where, okay, we're going to bring in this player and we're going to be good for a year or two, but then we're going to go down and then we're going to rebuild. I don't sense that this is not what they're all about. They want to sustain not only winning basketball, but they want to win a championship. Because, Lakina, it's one thing to say, well, we're going to be competitive. Well, okay, everyone says that, all 30 teams. But I, I know Michael Reinsdorf wants to win a title. This is his goal. His goal isn't, well, we won 45 games and let's get fired up and all that. He wants to win a title. And to me, that's what's important. I really think it it burns inside of him to win a championship. And that is his goal. And I think we're going to get it done. Last question for me, Chuck. Of course, people want to do what you do at the highest level, calling the NBA game uh, uh, at the professional level. People want to do what we what we do as far as uh, radio shows and podcasts and things along that nature. And we get advice from people all the time on how do you go about it, what's your advice. I wanted to ask you for 
the people that want to do what you do and or do what we do, what's the one piece of advice you give people starting out in their journey throughout the sports broadcasting industry? Okay. That's a good question. So Sydney, Lakina, and Christine, here's what I'm going to offer everyone. Be you. Just be you. And, you know, we, we pick little pieces here and there of other people. I mean, that's, that's, you know, the commonality of our business. We hear someone, we pick up a phrase, whatever. I get that. But at the end of the day, Sydney is Sydney. Christine is Christine. Lakina is Lakina. And you have a personality. You have your identity. And your identity is not in another person. Your identity is yourself. And you need to feel comfortable within the framework of who you are with your mind, body, and soul. So when you go out and decide to sign up for this beautiful business, a challenging one, but a beautiful business of communication or behind the scenes, the truth of the matter is that we are all created uniquely and take advantage of your gifts. Your gift could be a play-by-play. -play. Your gift could be somebody that is a writer. Your gift could be somebody that's handling the technical aspects of a show or putting a show together or um, you know, having an opportunity to do talk shows. Whatever the case may be, take your skills and polish them. Polish the gifts that you've been given. Work on the things and the challenges that are presented in front of you. And never, ever take anything for granted. I'm going to leave you with a quote. And if there's one thing that I took from this was, and I, and I remind myself constantly every day of this quote. So I'm at a blues club in Columbus, Ohio. And I'm in my early 20s. And I, I'm sitting with some friends of mine, and one of the guys at the table knew the blues singer. The first set ends, okay? The singer comes over at the end of the first set for about a 10, 15-minute intermission, walks to the table, sits down, looking at us, and he introduced himself. I introduced myself. I was doing sports in Columbus, Ohio at the time. And he said, Chuck, let me give you some advice. I said, what's that? He said, you better take care of your homework because if you don't, somebody will. And there was silence. And I said, I'm sorry. And he goes, I'm going to tell you one more time. You better take care of your homework because if you don't, somebody will. That resonated in my brain, and that was decades ago. And I still remember, I remember the night, I remember the setting, I remember where he sat, I remember everything, because that was so impactful and a bedrock of where I needed to be in my mind every single day, because Listen, this is this is a tough world. It's competitive. I don't care if it's sports broadcasting, retail work. If you want to be a lawyer or a teacher, you got to get after it. And no one, no one will get after it the way you can. You can have all the advice in the world. You can have all the people coming at you with things, you know, talking in your ear. But at the end of the day, when you look at that mirror, you know whether or not you're busting your tail 
or whether or not you're going through the motions. And if you're going through the motions, you better take a long, hard look in that mirror and find out why. And if you don't have passion, find out what is your passion and then take the most of what you can give to that passion and you will prosper. If you want to be a school teacher, be the best school teacher. If you want to be a lawyer, be the best lawyer. If you want to be a social worker, then show up and be the best social worker for families and kids each and every day. Whatever your passion, it will help. But at the end of the day, this is on you and this is on me. And that's why when Dick Mackey said, you better take care of your homework, because if you don't, somebody will. There are people right now, like in the gym, working in basketball, where some people are on, you know, a boat, you know, having a margarita, while other guys are in the lab getting better. And I'm not saying you shouldn't take time to relax, because you should and recharge the batteries. But at the end of the day, you know, the only way we're going to get better is to work on your craft. So anyway, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Mr. Trustworthy. He's the Bulls radio voice for 670 Score. He does a great job with Bill Winnington. Uh, you can catch him starting next season on 670 the Score in the Odyssey app. Mr. Swirsky, thank you so much for taking time on your busy schedule to join us today. Great advice. Uh, continue the great work and continue that great energy. And let's do this again soon down the road, okay? Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Chuck. Thank you. Take care. And that was Chuck Swirsky. Uh, he's one. Of let's those give him a round of applause, Lakina. Yeah, I mean, we, we got to do it. We got to do it. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys. We we could we could you can listen to him all day. I mean, he can yes. you know great stories, great moments, just amazing. So we're gonna have to do this kind of like a rapid fire, guys. We only got a few minutes left. Listen to Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago. Lakina McGee, Cindy Brown, and our girl KXRB's Christine Manica joining us. Uh, you know, for the rest of the show. Uh, so I guess, you know, we'll, we'll do hockey first. I know, you know Christine's not a, not a big fan of hockey, but we'll do it like real quick. Uh, you know, the Avs are back in the Stanley Cup for the first time since 01. Now they're going to be waiting a little bit for their uh, opponent, uh, either, <clears throat> excuse me, either, excuse me, I can't talk for some reason, either Tampa Bay or the Rangers. Tampa has now got the 3-2 lead. Uh, real quick, Sid, what, 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 are your, what are your thoughts on who do you think will be uh, get that second spot in the, in the Stanley pick Cup of final? My pick of the Rangers are in trouble. This doesn't yeah. make any sense. Uh, they, they won the first two games down in Tampa. And, of course, uh, Tampa Bay has won the last three games. Uh, don't mm -hmm. fight Steven Stankles at it. And then you might just give a Tampa Bay an extra edge for tomorrow night. Okay. Uh, Rangers. Rangers, come on. First of all, you got to come out, uh, set the tone early, score the first couple of goals of the game, unlike Edmonton in their last two games before they lost to Colorado. Mm -hmm. New York, just they just got to be aggressive. You can't just have a lead and sit back or think you just do something stupid to come back. That That's not their game. Uh, they've been getting some very good goaltending. We talked about yeah. it all the playoffs, Lakina. But for the Rangers, you got to put the pucks in back of the net. You set the tone. You set the tone early. That's what they need to do tomorrow night in game six to keep their season alive. Yeah, the Lightning have won three straights after falling behind 2-0 in the Eastern mm -hmm. Conference. You know, after falling, you know, 2-0, so it's crazy. They're now one one away from overcoming that deficit in the best of seven series for the second time in franchise history. You go all the way back to 0-1, oh, 0-3, I should say, in the cap. So, yeah, we'll be interested to see what happens uh, tomorrow yeah. because they better, the, the Rangers better get together, try to jump on them early. Of course, the yeah. experience is what's 
you know, kind of you know, propelling the lightning so far. So they might, you know, reach out for that tomorrow. Real quick before we move on, Lakina, one quick hockey note. I saw this uh, this morning. The NHL's Western Conference Finals that aired on TNT between Colorado and Edmonton, the highest rated Western Conference Finals series since 2015. We all know who played in that series. Uh, yes, yes, yes. And, <laughs> oh my god, right? I mean, yep, like the Blackhawks yeah. and Anaheim. That's you know, of course, Good that series went seven games uh, uh, yes. on their way to their third Stanley Cup of that decade. I still remember game two like it was yesterday. The yes. Andrew Shaw soccer goal, yes, which was the just soccer so pick, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it, it didn't count either. Darn, yeah, <laughs> I know. With the Rangers, though, Jimmy Fallon was having fun last night, he uh was enjoying mm -hmm. a hot dog or two, so. Can't all yep. be that bad, right? Right, and it's yep. been twelve years since the, the first one they won. You know, they you know, the, the anniversary of the you know, game six against the, the Flyers was yesterday. Yeah, so, watched uh, it Jesus, yesterday. Uh, Jesus, uh, <laughs> God. Do you remember where you were, uh, Christine Lakina? I was when the Hawks at, won the first cup. Yeah, I was sitting oh, at home, and God. I was like, I had a computer in the, in the in the background, so I was wondering, okay, are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? And when uh, Kane put the 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 puck in the nets. I was like, wait, like everyone, everyone else was like, what, what happened? And then he started celebrating and Sharpie was there. And I know, I think Burr's out there too. And yeah, all, mm -hmm. Shaw was there too. All, everyone started celebrating. We were like, huh? And then they're like, oh, okay. We got to get, and, and, you know, Doc Embrick, you know, you know, love him. He still to this day says that he regrets not being able to kind of call that right because Again, nobody knew where the puck was, and I don't think they found the puck yet either. I don't <laughs> think they found it either. <laughs> what about you, Christine? Where were you? When, you when know, it... I'm about to flip my computer screen over to my mom because she's the one just telling me all this. I'm like, I got it. I got it. But <laughs> I, was, I was a 2010 graduating uh, grammar school, grade school, believe it or not. Um, and she thinks I went to the parade, but I didn't go to the parade. My dad went to the parade. He he was there for all the parades. He got me a shirt from the parade, but I, I have not been to any of the three parades, unfortunately, during that time. Uh, great story. Great story. So, yeah, the the 12-year anniversary of the Black House was yesterday. Of course, yours truly was at work and then uh, caught the game on the radio on the way home. And then, thank goodness, back then, Lakina, you know this as well as I do. I had to be I, I transferred to uh, the DVD um, on the mm -hmm. DVD disc later, but remember VCRs? Yes. Oh, so yes. I had to record it. So I said, let me record it a little bit over just in case it goes to the overtime. Then Thank goodness I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was that, Christine? Then rewind the tape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and pause when the commercials came on. You're, you're a very smart young lady. <laughs> but uh, I recorded the game. Of course, I. I, I made uh, I made those DVDs to everybody that liked hockey. It's like, oh, sick! So could get you the game. I was making them like nobody's business, but yeah, I caught right. the I caught all the time when I got home and listened to the game on on, on the radio. Uh, it was a very awesome moment. Of course, I don't know if I told you guys this story. I'll make it quick. I know we up, running up against it, but during that year, early in the playoffs, they had that first round series against Nashville, which they mm -hmm. almost lost. Yes. Yours truly was there for Game Five of that Nashville series Saturday afternoon, April twenty fourth, section three twenty seven, row five, C five. Of course, we all know what happened. Uh, Kane tied the game late, and then, mm -hmm. of course, Mario Hosa had to command that dumb penalty at the end of regulation. Yeah. Ten seconds later, in overtime, coming out of that. Penalty box, boom, hit the yep. game winner, and the place went nuts. So that's yep. the best hockey <laughs> the game I've ever went to, period. Well, yeah, the you know, Washington at home, I remember when that happened. You know, literally like just seconds out of the host, you know, came out of that penalty box. He scored that game winner to send the, the Hawks 
uh, advancing. So yeah, just you know, great. Mo- I know some would say it's kind of slight a little bit with all this other that's gone on off the ice, but mm-hmm. still, you know, look, you have the memories. So we let's just let's just cherish these because it might be a while before we'll have those. Yeah. <laughs> and so let's cherish those memories now. HBO is going to air a uh, short doc this fall on uh, about Jer- former uh, Knicks. Uh, cold hero Jeremy Lin, 30, 38 at the Garden. This is according to our buddies at All Fall Announcement. They just made this announcement a couple of days ago. Uh, it's going to be just be a few of the documentaries going to be coming out. It's going to you know talk about uh, Lin's um, you know uh, sort of you know reach you know, to the stars. You know that that great season that he had, and you know just season during the 2011-2012 season, and you know his story on how he was crashing into you know, his sister's couch. Now he became this mm-hmm. cold figure, but kind of, you know, have fallen off a little bit, and we'll see what he's doing now. So that's, this should be a pretty cool diet that's going to air on HBO sometime in the fall. Although nothing official, the, the date hasn't been officially announced mm-hmm. yet, but they are going to announce, they are going to show it in the fall. It's just an, a, a plethora of, you know, talking about his career in Long Beach State, and, you know, injury and mm-hmm. such, and everything else. So, country as they usually do on HBO. Yeah, we're really looking forward to that documentary. Of course, remember that 2012 series was a short 66-game lockout season. Of course, the Knicks suffered injuries throughout that early part of that season with Amari Stardemeyer and yes. Carmelo Anthony. And Jeremy Lin was not only a story in New York, he was his whole mm-hmm. story in the NBA because no one of his caliber did what he did. But the reason why he got all that attention because he was on the biggest stage in the biggest market in the country. And actually got helped to get the Knicks back into the playoffs in which they did. Of course, they lost to the yep. virtual champion Heat in that first round series. But it was a great story for about a month and a half there, of course, uh, when uh, mm-hmm. when Amari started with Maya Carmen Anthony came back. Uh, the Knicks uh, fell back into reality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else? Like Asian, with Asian-Americans, too, of course, you know, this past month, yes. the Asian Pacific Islander uh, Heritage Month. I know he's been making the rounds and doing interviews. Though, so we'll see. We'll see how, you know, how you know, this goes. But, yeah, it should be a good one. 38 at the Garden. That'll air sometime in the fall. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing announced. The date has not been announced yet, but I'm sure probably by September or October. Yeah. All right, Christine, uh, uh, anything else that's on your mind, Chuck Swirsky, or anything else before we disperse? Anything else that's on my mind? Oh, good gosh. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think – no, I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to give a shout-out to the uh, Oklahoma women's softball team. They win their sec- their sixth national title and their second overall. They beat uh, their rival, Texas, uh, basically just hammering them. They were dominant. They were the number one overall seed in the co- Women's College World Series. And, you know, just a, in dominating fashion. They, I think they only had, like, five losses, I think, this season, if I'm not mistaken, which is probably one of the all-time greats. Uh, just a, a, a great uh, accomplishment and such. And, you know, also you got the you know, the men's, college, men's you know, baseball. You know, they're doing super regionals right now. So, just a you know a great springtime and also too uh, mm, let's see here let me see if I can uh, there was some news that came out of an involving college uh, football uh, early this morning uh, Cincinnati Houston BYU and I think there was another team I forgot I gotta look that up right, right quick oh and UCF are going to be joining the Big Twelve starting next summer okay <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Yeah. As the world turns in college sports, yeah. conference turns, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. Also, to Jack Del Rio got fined a hundred grand for the comments yeah. he made about we, we won't really get don't go too deep into it, but you know the the uh, Ron Rivera, though the the Crusaders head coach, just you know made the announcement on Twitter. They just announced it on their feed. Uh, I think that's about it. I'm trying to see if there's like anything that we did not get to. 
that's about uh, oh oh like that tiger's now a billionaire you know joining mj lebron so even despite him not you know not playing much he still you know commands with all the businesses he's got you know the wings mm-hmm. and, the, and the tours and such so just an amazing accomplishment yeah, Tiger's going to be fine, you know, with all the merchandise, and I'm oh, sure yeah. he's going to do speaking yes. engagements. His price tags will go up that much more. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, real quick, what are your predictions for tonight's game? Christine, I'll start with you in NBA Finals. Celtics, uh, after their performance on Wednesday on their home court, I, I expect nothing less tonight from them. I got GSW. I told you, Lakina, there is going to be a split in Boston. It's nothing as, uh, to, uh, as I, we know as, as of this uh, broadcast that's going to change my mind. So no, I, I'm, 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 I'm going with GSW. Yeah, yeah, I'm going. Yeah, I'm with you. Said I just think, look, this thing's going to go seven. I've, I've got, I've got Warriors in seven. I, I, I just don't see. Uh, it's remember, it's not. It's going to be a two, you know, two, one, one one after this so it's not mm-hmm. two three two like it's been in recent years so it'll be interesting to see what happens tonight but look everybody's gotta step up Draymond everybody has to step up so we'll see what happens there now with that said you can follow me at Keena McGee on the Twitter and at Keena Scrum McGee on the IG you can follow yours truly Cindy Brown on the Twitter and the IG at CK80 once again at CK80 that's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0 once again that's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0 you can you can get that Sports on Chicago app wherever you get your apps. Make sure you follow Sports on Chicago all social media outlets. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast at War or Anchor. We're available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. And make sure you follow War Media at WARR Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much, Advance, your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Christine, where can the lovely people follow you? They can follow me on Twitter at cmanica underscore kxrb. And we'd like to thank Chuck Swarovski, the Bulls, uh, Chicago Bulls radio voice, for joining us here to get today for the last half of the show. Uh, great job, Mr. Swarovski. Keep up the great work. Mm-hmm. We'll definitely have you back on again in the near future. Also, two shout out to Joc- Jocelyn Alo. Alo, that's the, that's the name I was looking up for. Corsio, Oklahoma, uh, softball grad. She goes out national, two time national champion, and a two time collegiate player of the year. So, mm-hmm. just a, you know, a great accomplishment to a great career. Like I said, also, you got the uh, college baseball. They're going to super regionals. They're down to uh, the Sweet 16, if you will. You can catch those games on the ESPN Failure Networks, also the SEC Network as well. So, make sure you guys check that out for you, college baseball fans. Of course, you got baseball. The NBA Finals, of course. We'll see if you know Tampa can punch their ticket back to the Stanley Cup Final as well. So, so much. Uh, you got the Kiliopia 2 for all you golf fans. So, so much going on this weekend. So, for Sid and Christine, I'm Lakina. If you're gonna not gonna get vaccinated, you know, wear your mask, wash your hands, and be good to each other. This has been Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago, and we'll see you Monday. Till then, go Sox. Holla. <laughs>